Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Since the age of pretty much 10, I've been working, always having a job. I started out when I was a kid being a paper boy. So this is for new school people who don't understand what this job was. I used to get on my bike and I would have this big like pack over me. So, you know, 100 pound Jason with a pack of papers would go biking through neighborhoods. And it wasn't like the video game from the 80s where you'd throw them at people's windows, which is super awesome, but don't do it. I had to actually put the papers into people's mailbox. And so little Jason would take 50 some papers and go around in all these mailboxes, give you papers at a very young age. Now, I got older, which was awesome, because then you could just drive a car, and that's cheating, it doesn't count. But, and papers are things you read that aren't on tablets, if you didn't know what that is. So that was my first job, and from then on, I've had jobs. I feel like I'm always working. And maybe you can relate to that, or maybe you're like, uh, I don't work at all. But let me tell you something about working that's unique. Working is something we talk about all the time as a part of our identity. So you get into a mixer, right? Right now, if we were to start to talk and start to get to know each other, I'd say, hi, what's your name? Blah, 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 blah. The next question is, so what do you do? What do you do? And whatever you do, I now start to make an assumption about you and start to put some pieces together about your personality, what you're interested in. And I start to do simply because of what you do. So if you say, okay, hey, Jason, nice to meet you. I'm a college student. I'm like, awesome. You're poor. You eat ramen noodles all the time, so your sodium levels are through the roof. You're super stressed out. You barely sleep, and you are nervous and anxious about your future. If you say to me, ah, Jason, nice to meet you. I'm a doctor. I'm like, awesome. You're super smart. You are extremely rich, unless you're still paying off your school loans. We'll talk about that later, but... You have a lot of resources, and you're the guy I'm going to call when something isn't working right. I'm going to call you and say, hey, can you help me out because you know what's wrong with our bodies. Hey, I'm a carpenter. Oh, wow. Boy, do we need your help at 206. (laughs) That means you're really good with your hands. You are creative, and you can make things. You can see a room and have like an idea that I can't see, and you'll be able to put things together, not only talk about it, but physically create something. Depending on what you do, we start to make assumptions about what we are. But then there's the dark side of this whole story. The dark side of our story is that I start to assume things about you from my past experiences. So here's my least favorite thing of meeting new people. People asking me, what do you do? And there's a reason why. You think, oh man, it'd be awesome. You tell them you're a pastor. They're really excited to meet you. They give you hugs and they shake hands for you. No. When I say I'm a pastor, everybody clams up and apologizes for swearing in the sentence before. All of a sudden, our entire relationship has shifted. Because in their minds, in my relationship to them, this status and that word creates a barrier between me and this new person. And I hate it. So a lot of times, I don't tell people I'm a pastor until they finally pull it out of me because they have their assumptions in my identity. I am just Jason. 
I'm Jason, who's a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's given himself to the calling of making disciples, reaching lost people, and impacting our community and the world. That's who I am. That's my job, is that I'm a pastor. Because my identity is the exact same as yours. We're all called to be disciples. But my job, for some reason, creates a barrier between me and people. So a lot of times when I'm new to a place, I try to avoid it for as long as possible. I say such things as, oh, I help people. Um, I do a lot with premarital counseling. Um, you know, I'm really into helping people who are going through hard things. I would try to avoid the topic because the word created a barrier. And our identity is so much often built up into our work, into what we do creates who we are. And the unique thing and why being in ministry does that is because what we do is kind of who we are. It's weird. There's this weird blending because in one sense, you look at someone who's on staff or someone who does ministry and you say, okay, that person is paid to be holy. Let me tell you how messed up and jacked up that is. But at the same time, your expectation is that I have an amazing, perfect marriage with my wife. Today's our anniversary, 22 years. What's up, everybody? Let me tell you how not amazing and perfect it is. But we love and persevere. But your, ex your expectations are that you've got everything together all the time, but that's not true. We are just like you, and the identity is that we identify with Christ as opposed to what we do. God doesn't care what you do. He cares about who you are. Because who you are now affects and impacts what you do. You can be a paper boy, right? Like, if I'm slinging papers, I can be a paper boy who is so in love with Jesus that my job of being a paper boy, I paper boy, but who I am is a disciple of Jesus. You can be a doctor and say, I love helping people and doing sweet operations and creating false hips for people who need it. But my, that's what I do. Who I am is a, I'm a disciple of Jesus who works as a doctor. You get where I'm going with this. But that's a bigger conversation because our identity is messed up. All of you today, right now, I don't care how old you are, you are having an identity crisis. You have an identity crisis if you're young. I'm only 20 years old. Nobody wants to listen to me. I don't have wisdom. I'm disrespected by people who are older. Your identity is in conflict because you're just starting a career. So what is my identity if I'm just getting into it? Or you say the words, I'm just a blank. If you're older, and you're retired, you say, what's my identity? I've stopped working. I play golf a lot now, so I guess I could be, my identity could be golf, depending on your game, that's good or not good. But your identity now is lost because we've lost the ability to say what you do. No matter what your age is, we are in an identity crisis. And today, I want to do something super different and super rad, I think. I want to offer to you a new identity. And instead of me telling you what this is, I'm going to walk simply through the word of God. And there's something so amazing that happens in Jesus Christ that is not a religion. It's not something we have to do to try to make a God not angry with us. That's not what's going on here. This is the breath of life in which in Jesus Christ, you are given a brand new identity. In Christ, we are called something completely different. And all of us here, no matter what you do, we all have the same identity in Christ. So today we're going to go through scriptures. If you don't have Christ and you're in this, you're exploring, you're like, I'm still exploring this Jesus thing. There's a problem that you're going to come in conflict with. 
Because according to scriptures, your identity comes in Jesus. Because he's going to do all the work. We're going to talk about that today. You're going to learn about that. And I want you to listen. Listen for the fact that you can be freed from the tension and the pain of identities that are put on you. And be freed to a God that's so in love with you, he gives you a brand new one. Those who are walking with Christ, many of us don't believe what I'm about to read. You're going to hear this and say, yeah, I've heard that before. It sounds good. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And you're not going to believe me. That's our identity crisis. And even as I'm writing this, I'm reading these scriptures and I'm saying, I know this, but I don't honestly believe this. I don't live like it because if I believed it, I would then live like it. So today on the back of your sheet, if you're here today this morning, those who are online, you get to listen in. You're going to hear some amazing new identity. We're going to look at our identity through the concept of who God is. So before we begin, pause. If I said to you, tell me about yourself, what would you start describing? That's what you want me to know about you. If you start to say things such as, um, my identity is I'm a Christian, I'm a teacher, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, I'm a student, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. Those things aren't wrong. They're markers. But I want you to take whatever you believe today into who you are as a disciple of Jesus. So we're going to start, first of all, in Romans 10, 9 through 10. Your identity in Christ, in Christ, is that you are saved. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, as with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Simple verse, huge concept. How do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that God, Jesus, really did all this stuff? How do I know the gospel is real? Romans 10.9 puts it simply, you call out Jesus is Lord. I love how uncomplicated this verse is. And the identity now shifts into simplicity. If you profess Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. Now, I didn't write the book of the Bible, so if you don't like what's being said here or you really like it, I didn't write it. God's people wrote it through the Holy Spirit. So I want you to listen to this verse and understand the simplicity of this. If you add extra verses to this, you're changing the identity of salvation. If you are calling the Lord Jesus Christ with you, within, you'll be saved with your mouth and declare. And if you're a really good person, you are saved. You're changing the identity of salvation. Identity is the simplistic gift of God that's free by grace that you just received today by calling on Jesus Lord. It's an acknowledgement that you need a Savior. If you don't believe you need a Savior, then you have a different identity. If you believe that you're good enough, worked enough, if you believe there's some sliding scale of good people versus bad people, whatever you believe changes your identity and changes actually what this Bible verse says. This verse alone states it clearly. You are saved when you call on his name. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's Jesus. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The beauty of this verse, again, the simplicity that Jesus took your sin, your identity now becomes Christ. And because of Christ as our new identity, we're seen as righteousness. The beauty of this is that you don't have to be righteous. 
you are seen as righteousness for salvation. And now righteousness is what we do with the rest of our life because God's way is better than our way and God is smarter than us. If you ever come into conflict with choices in your life and saying, why are things so hard? Why are, why are things bad? Why am I struggling through stuff? Oftentimes take a look and say, are you living a righteous life? Because an unrighteous life just is terrible. The way of God is always good. Not easy, it's good. The way of God actually is harder because it's in conflict with righteousness. And so when we live according to the way of the Lord, we find peace in that. But note it's not about salvation. Note your life and how you're living is not about being saved or not being saved. The way that we live for the Lord God Almighty is about his righteousness. And all of these verses, as we put them all together, you're going to find out that none of it is about you. None of this is about you. All of this is about God's glory. And that takes us to John 5, 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You take Jesus out of this picture, you don't have this identity. Jesus is the focus of the entire new identity that starts with salvation. And so, friends, if you're wondering and questioning, how do I know that I am saved through Christ? The verses here make it simple. Jesus took the sin for you. If you believe that he's the one who took the death for you, if you then declare with him that he is Lord and that he did this, that is it. It's that simple. Now from there, a new life begins, which is what we'll share more, because your identity now, as someone who knows Christ as Savior, shifts into a whole new story. So we move on into our next piece. In Christ, you're forgiven. In Christ, in Psalm 103, 11 through 12, has this beautiful verse that you are forgiven. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as east is from the west, so far as you removed your transgressions from us. Here's the, the beauty and the terror of this verse. Friends, in Psalm 103, we talk about how God takes our sin for those who believe in him and removes it from east is from west. I measured it out one time. I'm just totally kidding. You can't do that. You're totally straight-faced when I said that. You can't measure east from west. It's an, an ongoing, it's Google infinity in both directions. You can't end it. And so God says, this is how far God removes our sin for those who are in Christ. But our identity for those who love Jesus, how many of you and how many of I are still sitting in guilt and shame of sin, going back to that place of sin over and over again, wallowing in past mistakes, soaking in the fact that we're not good enough for God to love us. Guys, that's not the identity of scriptures. The identity of scriptures says you are forgiven. So if you really believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, really believe it, not just say it, just not think about it. If you really believe the gospel, you are 100% freed from sin when you call on Christ as Savior. East is to the West. You're free. So why do we live as slaves to sin? Why are you still living as a slave to the sin that of your past, of your yesterday, of your today, of what you're about to do as soon as you leave here, or maybe what you're thinking right now about me? Why are we still living in this circle of sin? The truth is, friends, we haven't accepted the identity that you're forgiven. And oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we can't forgive ourselves. Pastor Jason, 
when you call me that, I know you're real serious. Pastor Jason, you have no idea what I've done. You don't know my past and my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things I've done. And I say, I don't know the things you've done, but I don't really want to talk about that. If you know Christ, it's forgiven, it's over. In fact, when we have baptisms here, which are coming real soon, it's like, when baptisms soon, it's warm out. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to have baptisms soon. If you've been to a baptism before, uh, for those who don't know what baptisms are, this is a great, it's a celebration of people. That's like a, a wedding day, if you will, of just marking this moment of saying, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And so it's a beautiful ceremony we do to mark this and to celebrate this death to life. A lot of times you'll hear people sit and talk 35 to 40 minutes about their past. They'll say, well, I used to do this, and I was in this, and I did that, and blah, 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 and we went through this. And I read this, I read this verse, and something came over me. I said, why would we ever do that? Why do I want to talk about your past? Like, isn't that forgiven east is to the west? Shouldn't you talk about who Christ is to you now and what he has set for you for your future? Doesn't he give you a new identity? So when I started doing this, baptisms went from, oh man, that's a really hard life, to, oh my word, God is amazing. You can summarize it this way. In the past, I sucked. Fine, that's fine. Say that if you want. In the past, I sinned. In the past, I made terrible mistakes. In the past... But because of Jesus, talk 35 minutes about who Jesus is to you now. That is what this verse is about. Because your identity is not your past. Your identity is the new in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That is the power of the gospel. And friends, I know so many of you are struggling with feeling and knowing that you're forgiven because we talk to you. We hear you. And if I could free you of one thing, it's to know this. In Christ, you are free. You are free to be who God created you to be. You are not too broken for God. You are not too messed up for God. You are not too, uh, but you don't know my past for God. He does know your past. And if you want to know why God loves you, look at your past and he still loves you. That's a love bigger than anything. Because if any of that happened to any of us, we would not love that person. The amount of sin that I've done in my life, if I did that to any one of you, we wouldn't be talking to each other. But the Lord God Almighty forgives you and releases you from it. East to west, that is forgiveness. Your identity, friends, is you are forgiven. In Christ you are reconciled. Romans 5, 10 to 11. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliations. Our enemies of God's story is a big one. Our enemies of God's story is one that isn't very nice. Because I don't want to think of myself, or think of my friends, or think of my family, or think of my community, or think of any of you as an enemy of God. But if you are living in sin apart from Christ, and Christ has not given you that freedom, you are now in opposition to God because your master is evil. And this is the craziest thing about salvation, friends, and this is, took me so long to understand. Something shifts majorly when Christ takes your pain. You are now reconciled, which means the debt is paid, which means everything you did in the past is atoned for. It is over. Your debt was too huge to pay. Your sin was too great. Christ took it, and because he did it, you go from an enemy to a friend. I want you to think about this for a second. We have friends here 
and I won't mark them out right now at this moment, who are Chicago Cubs fans? Their debt is great in my eyes. Congratulations on 300 years of losing. So you take this idea of even just fandom and how there's tension among fandom. And have you ever seen any rival team convert to the other team? I've heard such words as I would die before I would wear those colors. I wouldn't say I would die before I'd wear a cup jersey, but you'd, it'd be really close. Like maybe my deathbed or something, right? Like there's this tension that is there for su such silly things as sports and fandom. And we get this idea of opposites, but how do you take someone that was once an enemy and hated to beloved, not only accepted onto your team, but say you're an owner now. You get to own it with me. You're not just a fan of the story. You go from being enemy of God to now being a child of God. You go from being on the opposite side to being heirs with Jesus. Jesus is now your big brother in sense. You are part of the story of God redeemed and you are reconciled. All the debts, all the past, all your former fandom forgotten. You're now on this team. That's how big our God is because I could never do that with a Cubs fan or Bears fan, maybe a Vikings fan. But the truth is, friends, the gap is so wide. When we think of being reconciled, if you can own this fact and dream and live, if you really believe that everything that you have done, will do, in the future, are going to do today is taken care of and it is reconciled, that is how big the gospel is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so much bigger than our minds even imagine. It's so much bigger than Sunday morning church attendance. It's so much bigger than volunteering your time in a building, being a great community person, loving even your kids, your wife, your spouse, your friends well. It's bigger than all that because none of that happens without the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so powerful and so impactful that it changes everything. And you've heard it. It changes your identity. In Jesus Christ, in Ephesians 2.19, this is what's crazy. You're now considered a saint. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. From enemy to child to one of the elite. Now, I don't know how this works because I don't think of anybody I know in the elite status. When I think of saints, I think of names like Mother Teresa. I think of the Apostle Paul. I think of Peter. I start thinking of these big names, these like heroes of history who've done great and mighty things. But here's the thing. Because of Christ, this is how you're seen. Because we're not trying to work our way to it, it's given to us because of Christ. It's mind-blowing to think the grace of God and how simple that this is. And that this idea, not that I stopped struggling with sin, but the big idea is that now God sees you as sinless because of Christ. What in the world is this gospel about? Because I've never really heard the gospel this way before, friends. In my life, I've heard God loves you. You're forgiven through Jesus. Now do good things not really said, but implied, or God's mad at you. 
Depending on your story, remember how I told you our identities are filled from our past. Depending on your childhood, that could fill a story for you. If you grew up with parents who were abusive, extremely strict, however it was, and you messed up, you spilled the milk, they slapped your hand. Oftentimes we take God and put him in that scenario. God loves me until I spill the milk. Then he slaps my hand. If you grew up in a home that was very lenient and everything was going on, everything was fun, you'd say, God loves me and I can do whatever I want. He's still going to love me in the morning. There are no rules. How do I know this? Because I do counseling with all of you and I'm telling all of your stories right now from a podium. It's just human condition. We start to take our stories from the past and place them into a story that isn't true. God's story is different than our story. And God's story says this. Your identity is not one of shame and of sin, but of freedom in Jesus Christ. You are now considered elite because of Jesus, not because of what you do. You can never be elite enough. It's only in Christ. We move on. In Christ, you're blessed. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You are blessed simply, guess where I'm going with this? You can, write, you can say the whole rest of my sermon. Because of Jesus Christ. The greatest blessing that you have is Jesus Christ and the presence of God in your life. The greatest blessing that you have is that God himself came Jesus died so that you have a direct pipeline to the God of the universe. You can speak to the God of the universe who is both here and in his hand, if he has hands, spinning stars, galaxies, universes. He's already on Mars like, hey, cool flex. You put something up here. I've been here forever. Like, you know, he's already there. He's everywhere. He's the God Almighty and says, you know what? You get to talk to me. I'm your papa. That is the greatest blessing you have. Who cares about money? Who cares about cars? Who cares about all this other stuff that as American Christians we're trying to think that's blessings? God can bless however he wants. So if God gave you a car, that's awesome. Cool. Like that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we seek the wrong blessings. The blessings of God is his presence. The blessings of God is our purpose in our life. The blessing of God's is simply because Jesus did it and we didn't earn it. The blessing of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The blessing of God is that you're forgiven. And then on top of that, this is what's crazy. This dad loves you so much, he adds everything else on top of it. He starts adding all these things. He starts giving to you just because he wants to. He blesses you. He gives you things. He takes care of you. He put food in your gullet this morning. If not, you're going to go get some food afterwards, right? He takes care of us. And we start to say, God, why do you love me? Why do you give me all of this? And the answer is because of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the most important identity that we can have. In Jesus Christ, you are heard. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 1 John 5, 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Again, the great God Almighty hears you. I want you to soak on that for a minute in your identity of the gospel. God hears you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just soak for a minute. God hears you. I repeat this because you don't believe it. God hears you. The scriptures just said it. God hears you. 
because of the work of Jesus Christ, not because of your merit or because you've earned it, because you're good enough or you've done enough things. It's because of Jesus, God hears you. Because of Jesus, God listens. And the great thing about our Father is that he doesn't say yes to us all the time. I prayed immensely that God would send me to Denver, Colorado, or San Diego, California. Because he said no, we're here today. God hears me, but he said no. You have had prayers and asked things, and I don't know why he says yes or no, so don't ever, why did God say no? He's way smarter than me, so I'm not going to try to figure that out, but I will say this, God hears you. His no is a no because it's good. It may not be what we want, but it's good. And in the midst of all of our sin, of which you're already forgiven, in all the mess we keep making all the time, God hears us. And in the midst of all of it, he still works and intertwines with all of our bad decisions, bad choices, sinful acts, loud mouths, improper attitudes, and everything other junk that we can pull together. He hears you. And he is still good. And he still loves you. The God of the universe hears you. You are heard. In Christ, you're gifted. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Even the fact that you have gifts from God is to bring glory back to God through Jesus Christ. It is not about you. So those, you've all been given gifts through Christ, and the whole purpose of the gifts that you have are to bring glory back to Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Nothing is about you. Everything is about God's glory. Because you want to know what heaven's like? God's glory. That's the answer. So even on earth, when his kingdom comes and his wills be done, everything's about his glory. So the gifts that you've been given, the fact that you get to be a part of God's story, yet another blessing, is for Jesus Christ to be glorified, for God the Father to be glorified, for the Holy Spirit to be glorified. It's mind-blowing. And these gifts that you have, you get to use them. You get to use them inside of the church. You get to use them outside of the church. You get to use them in your families, in our community, in the world. You've been given gifts because of Jesus Christ. If you aren't using your gifts, you aren't using your identity. Let me say this again. If you aren't using your gifts, you aren't using your identity. I, I'm very appreciative of being your pastor. I'm one job. Of the 200 people that call Mosaic Church home, there's 199 jobs and gifts in our church family. If you're not using your gift, we are hurting somewhere. In the American church, we've made a shift. We've made the shift to think, hey, that's our staff person. So Jason, Nick, your job is to use your gifts. Our job is to sit back and enjoy the show. And hey, Hope you enjoy it today. That's great. But this isn't a show. We're about to worship God right now. I'm about to get real serious. You have a gift. Your gifts that you have been given have been meant to bring glory to God. It's not about mosaic. It's not about any church name. I don't care what church you go to, where you're from, you've been given gifts. Your job is to use those gifts. And if you're sitting on the sideline 
and you're not using the gifts, we're hurting. If you're not pouring into the church family, into your community, into the world, you're sitting, and I'm going to say something bold, so get ready now. Hold, hold your seats. You're robbing God of his glory. When you do not use the identity God's given you, you rob him of the glory. Now, this is why your gifts, talents, and abilities were made to glorify God. You don't use those gifts, talents, and abilities. What happens? God doesn't get the glory. So friends, I say to you, you have a new identity of being gifted to be able to use how God made you. Now, those who don't know my wife and I, we are extremely opposites in certain things, extremely the same in others, like most marriages. The idea of her coming up here and speaking on a microphone literally is one of the worst things that she could do. She's completely, she's introverted. She does not want the stage. She, that's Jason, that's you, right? Like God made me this way. But at the same time, my wife was created uniquely, wonderfully made, and she loves being behind the scenes. All of your coffee, all of the treats, all the new, everything behind the scenes is her. I'm like, you love details? Awesome. I could care less. Please go use those gifts for the glory of God. Give me a microphone and some people listening. I'm in, right? I've been given a gift. She's been given a gift. You've been given a gift. But what if one of us say we're going to stop? If one of us, just us two, little things, right? Or big things. Gifts are important. And friends, in your identity, I challenge you today to use your gift. We move on. In Christ, you are new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And 1 Peter 1.3, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you've not caught the theme of this, when you read the Bible, everything about our identity points back to Christ. I've said it 17 times, and that's the one point I want you to get today. Everything we have is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And our new identity, once again, comes from him. It's an ongoing process. But your identity has shifted. You've gone from enemy to child. You've gone from lost to found. You've gone from dead to alive. And in a strange, unique way, we start this idea of the gospel starts as a baby. When you accept Christ as your savior, you're reborn. There's a baby thing that happens and you're just trying to figure things out. And there's ongoing time and process of growing, growing in our faith, growing to be more like him. But what if you stop growing? What if you just maintain? What if you're cool being a teenager for the rest of your life? Look, teenage years were fun. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed them, had great friends, great stories. I'm glad they're over. Hey, my mid-20s were awesome. Great phase, loved them. Had our first children, dropped a couple on their heads. We figured it out. We're good. My 30s, loved them. Great years, growing in parenting, learning more what it means. Hit 40, Lord, slow down this train. What is happening to me? Growing, learning. But if I acted and I was the same man in the same faith walk with the same idea when I was 20, shame on me. Because we are called to be new creations growing into this new identity. And my new identity as it grows, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms us into something that is greater than we can imagine. But boy, is that hard. Boy, does that take sacrifice. Boy, man, there are things that happened that I didn't like, and I wouldn't say I want to go through that again. But just like any growth spurt, it hurts, but you grow. We are called to be new. 
In Christ, you're adopted, Romans 5, uh, 8, 15 to 17. You're adopted. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Or in other words, that'd be like calling out Papa, Daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that there we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You are now one of the kids in the family. Your identity is not of one who is outside the house, but inside the house. And inside the house, you become an heir. For those who've gone through the process of writing your last will and testament, have gone through who's going to receive what at the end. Those who've gone through this starts to think through, or if you're in midlife like me, you're thinking, man, I ever start doing this soon, right? Where's all my stuff going to go? I look to my heirs, my children. I look to those who I want to bless and be a part of the story. I look to those who are considered family. And so now because of Christ, you are now part of the family, which means you receive the heir, the blessings. You receive what Christ receives, which is eternity. You receive things you should not receive. You're adopted in. You're not even the original. You're just adopted in. You say, wait, but for every adopted parent out here, people who have adopted, that child is your family. There is no difference between blood and adopted. That is your son. That is your daughter with great joy. That is your child. And so for those who've adopted will say, wait, I look at my family and I know that that's my family. And so it is with our God. You are a son. You are a daughter. You receive the blessings in the air because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Christ, you are loved. Romans 8, 39 to 37 to 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once again, in Christ Jesus our Lord, the theme keeps pounding. You are loved because of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God because of Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you call on his name and you are saved, you are locked. His love will not run from you. He doesn't love you one day and hate you the next. He's not moody, but what he is is a good father. And like a good father, he disciplines. He calls us to something better. He puts us places that we're uncomfortable because he knows it's for the better of his glory that you're being transformed to be more like him. You are so loved that God had his own son murdered for you. I don't love you that much. I wish I did. I don't. I would think I would, but I don't think I can. To have my son murdered, beaten, his death so that others can live, it's unbelievable. This love is so deep. And if you feel that you are unlovable, can you at least pause for a second to think the God of the universe, the one who has the stars and the moons, who's sitting on Mars and sitting on Earth and sitting at Saturn and way beyond we could even dream, that the God of the universe loves you. We just sang that in our song. He's madly in love with you. And it's proven through what he has done through Christ Jesus. And we land with this, friends. 
In Christ we are victorious. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I, this is Jesus speaking, have overcome the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. I think you get the point. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, death has been defeated. Sin has been broken because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the joy of the gospel, you have no fear in death. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are free. Take this good news and have peace through it. You are victorious because of him. So this is what the beauty of the gospel is, friends. You just have to submit your life to him. Call on your name and you will be saved. And a new identity is given to you. Today you're given a sheet of paper with all new identities. I challenge you this week to just take one. Can you even take one and start to realize that through Christ, if you don't know him yet, you can have a new identity. If you know him as Savior, you can now grasp and live in that new identity. Because you are not a mom, you are not a dad, you're not a grandparent, you're not a salesperson, you're not a police officer, you're not a nurse. You're not rich, you're not poor, you're not young, you're not old, you're not black, you're not white. You're not a pastor, you're not a layperson. You have an identity. Because of Jesus Christ, you're a new creation, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're adopted. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are with the King forever. You are a prince. You are a princess of the king of the universe. Friends, you are a child of God. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.